Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork, A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined by my amazing co-host, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how you doing? Great, Christian. It is a beautiful day here in Dallas, Texas. I'm so excited for you to meet Dr. Paul, and we have a great discussion slated for today. I'm going to put Dr. Paul up because I think that maybe if, if we... Uh, if we have him up, we you know we can just look at him. And there he is. Look at that good-looking face. <laughs> so listen, Dr. Paul is the positivity psychologist. He's got over two decades of experience in professional psychology. And Dr. Paul lays out how and the why behind positive thinking and positivity. And I'm, I'm really excited to ask you about that, Dr. Paul. And he talks about those in his writings, in his keynotes, in his training, in his coaching program. And you're going to get the instruction for what he calls the proper orientation of the equipment of your mind. That, that's really interesting to me. Uh, and then in addition to that, he's got his Live on Purpose radio station. He's got a YouTube channel with over 300,000 followers. Is that right, Dr. Paul? Yes, we're having all kinds of fun out there. Yes, exactly. He's got a book called Pathological Positivity. And just a, when you meet him, you can't help but, but feel his positivity and his enthusiasm. And, you know, so I, I want to talk to you, start off by talking about this idea, the power and principles of, of positivity. What is positivity and, and what isn't it? Spencer, this is so important because you hear it all the time, right? just think positive and you hear that from motivational speakers or gurus on the stage sometimes like like we all know what that means even and we have to get past the trite fluffy version of that into the actual psychology behind how to operate the equipment of our own mind and when you understand the psychology behind it you can see that positivity is a choice it just does not depend on your circumstances. Uh, you know, people are blaming their circumstances all the time for how they feel. And we know in psychology, it's not about our circumstances. It's about what we're thinking. And, and so I often start with people on, on a concept that I call metacognition. And this is a fun word. Uh, some people haven't even heard it. It just means... Well, if you break it down, cognition means thinking. Metacognition is a higher level. It's thinking about thinking. <laughs> and when you level, be careful with it, you can hurt yourself. Right. Okay. But notice that you can do this. You can think about your own thinking. And the great news, metacognition creates a little space. And in that space is where choice exists. That's the power of understanding the psychology behind positivity. Isn't that what, uh, um, oh my gosh, the, the uh, Austrian uh, psych, uh, psychologist, what was his name, who wrote, uh, oh, he was in Auschwitz or he was in the Nazi concentration camps. He said that between you know, the, the, the stimulus and response, there is a space. And it's in that space where our freedom lies. Is that Victor Frankl? That's Victor Frankl. Thank you, uh, Christian. Christian nailed it. Happy to make yes. a humble contribution. 
and just consider that for a minute. Here's a man who was who was captured by the Nazis during World War II. His entire family was killed. And he was sent to Auschwitz and about three other concentration camps during his experience there in, in the war. And he's saying that you can take away everything from a human being except what he labeled the last of human freedoms. Right. To choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances. And Dr. Frankel's talking about exactly the same thing. When you get to this space of metacognition where you can think about your own thinking, then your circumstances just don't matter that much. And that's pretty powerful doctrine coming out of Auschwitz. Yeah, you know, that, so, so that is powerful doctrine, uh, Dr. Paul. The, the, the problem today is people don't believe it. And, the, well, and so they're saying we've we, we've got to change our circumstances for us to be happy. We've got to churn, change our circumstances for us to be nice to each other. I'm not going to be nice to you unless you are nice to me. And and to me, you know, I, I actually play a, a game with a lot of my clients that it's it's basically the prisoner's dilemma. And it's fascinating to watch how we treat each other when there's a reward on the line and how some people actually are treating each other just because of perception of unfairness that they will hurt someone else so that something somebody won't get more than them. What an amazing thing that we can have this conversation sitting in three different rooms in different states. It's amazing that we can do it at all. So, And that actually ties into the model that I wanted to share with you. Oh, excellent. Anyway, we'll, we'll address that if you want to. Please do. Yeah, talk. You, you have a positivity model, and I want to learn all about it. I mean, it's one because I want to share some of the things I talk about, and I'd love your 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 um, your input because of your experience. But please share share this model of of positivity because you talk about basically what you said. The the how does the operation of the equipment of your own mind work? And and I think that this those may be related. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. In fact, you know, before uh, we had our little technical glitch here, Spencer, you were saying that a lot of people get into the mode of blaming their circumstances or waiting for things to change in order for them to have the life that they want to have or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And uh, look, you don't have to change a thing. You have to change a think. <laughs> Now, the model that you're referring to, Spencer, I've created a visual model for this. And the model starts with what it is. And you probably heard the phrase, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Which can be kind of annoying depending on who's saying it. But all it means is the way things are. Okay, it's who you are, it's what you have, it's who you're with, it's the way things are going. It's the way things are without changing anything. It is what it is. And I think the most important thing to realize and notice is we turn on our metacognition. So everybody just think about your thinking for a minute and notice that what it is, no matter what it is, could always be better. Is this true? Yeah. I, I mean, no I... I have to fight it all the time, and you know, I I think 
part of the problem is our physiology conspires against us, doesn't it? I mean, we believe bad news and negative stories before the positive. Well, we have tendencies and we fall back to our programming. Right. When, when I say programming, I'm talking about like language. Okay. Spencer, you and I were both programmed to speak English by people who didn't even give us a choice. Right. Right. That's so unfair. And I know, right? <laughs> we didn't get the, But that programming becomes very fundamental and it drives everything else. So even if you learn another language, which I did, I'm fluent in Finnish as well, which is just bizarre, I know, but I had to choose. Well, what about start? Can you can you look can you be fluent in starting? You can you know what? You can develop fluency in whatever. Okay. <laughs> whatever you choose. But notice when you do that, when you make that choice, you're up against your programming, which comes very naturally to you. Okay? And it's true if you learn a language or a musical instrument, but it's also true in the way we operate the equipment of our own mind. So going back to the model for a minute, it is what it is. It could always be better. It could always be worse. In fact, can I just share a quick story with you? Please. Um, I had the privilege and honor of speaking for the Youth Leadership Conference at the National Speakers Association in Orlando. This was a couple of years ago. And as I'm waiting for my opportunity to take the main stage there, I'm listening to Jeannie Robertson. Uh, you probably remember Jeannie. I do. Uh, Spencer. She just passed away a little over a year ago, but um, at six foot two, big Southern accent. She was the funniest G-rated family-friendly comedian on the internet. It was just so much fun. And I'm listening to Jeannie, okay? I get a text message. Now, if you've ever been in one of Jeannie's programs, you know that you don't pull out your phone and start scrolling through your text. <laughs> you know what happens, right? Sure. She will call you out. Okay. You become part of the show. And so I didn't pull my phone out. It's in my backpack under my seat, but I get a notification on my Fitbit. You know, the little truncated version. And it tells you who it's from, and you get the first few sentences. Well, I glance down at my watch. It's from my sister. And it says, I just wanted you to know that Talon had an accident last night. And then she went on to say he was on his annual volunteer first responder weekend up on the mountain and slipped and fell off a 30-foot dot, dot, dot. Okay, you know what dot, dot, dot means, right? Whatever you make it up to be. Yeah, I mean, you don't have the information. It means there's more, but you don't get it here, right? So my mind went on, like you said, Spencer, it's making up the rest of the story. My father lost his dad to an accident when he was only five. A good friend of mine crashed his plane in Utah Lake a few miles from my office here, leaving his wife and family without a husband and father. And now I'm getting this text about my nephew. So can you imagine the feeling? Can you feel it as I'm sharing the story with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm like, I need to get on the phone and figure out what's going on because something bad has happened. 
Well, I had to wait for Jeannie to finish because if you stand up and leave the room, you have the same conversation, all right? But she was almost done. I slipped out after Jeannie finished and, and I pulled up my phone. And I first, now I'm gonna make a phone call, right? But I, I first wanted to see the rest of the text. So I pulled it up. Let me pick you up where we left off. He slipped and fell off a 30-foot waterfall and broke both of his ankles and injured his knee. They could use your prayers. Oh. I was so relieved. How did you feel when I, when I shared the rest of the story with you? Definitely relieved. Definitely relieved. And, uh, right? and yeah, and uh, Tim is listening and has a, a comment of what uh, we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. We put way too much energy in negative thoughts and less on the positive. Look, there's reasons for that. Your brain is doing exactly what it's supposed to do because your brain has basically two jobs to keep you safe and to prove you right. And both of those get in our way all the time. Okay? But look what just happened as I shared this story with you. Going back to the model, it is what it is, right? It could always be better, it could always be worse. When I shared with you that he slipped and fell off a 30 foot dot, 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 what did your brain do? Your brain went into what we call evaluation mode. Okay, there's two modes that I'll share with you here today from the model. Evaluation is where we judge. And I, I invite everyone who's listening today, Spencer and Christian, you guys included, to notice that you're constantly judging, aren't you? Yes, I was judging that, you know, how people are feeling about our, our show going off the air because of our internet. I'm, you know, and, and then I, I may be saying a few ex expletives like crap, <laughs> and <I'm frustrated, laughs> right? And uh, so, and because I'm so excited for today and I didn't want anything to go wrong. And we can use that as an example too, because you, you take what it is. And in your example just now, Spencer, it's a technical glitch, right? Can you imagine anything better than that? Yeah, the, the, it, 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 we have no technical glitches. Right? I mean, everything goes just like I planned it to. But the, right? worst, is, the worst is I never get you back on and, and everybody's disappointed. So could it be worse? It could. Yeah, and in the example that I shared, when I said he slipped and fell off a 30-foot whatever, it's like, oh, see, because you can imagine something much better, like no accident, no injuries, right? But then I shared the rest of the story with you where he broke both of his ankles and he injured his knee, but he's not dead, paralyzed. See, you can imagine all kinds of things that are worse, too. And here's the bottom line. You can't stop judging your brain has to it's it's part of the design of your brain you can't stop it and notice that that judgment or evaluation implies comparison with some standard so whatever it is whatever it is you have to compare it to something and if you don't have a standard you'll make one up and you can always imagine something better or something worse and we can get to the implications of what that means, too. But I'm just wondering where you guys are with this. 
I actually have a question for you, Dr. Paul, on this. Um, uh, we've taught before, and I think that example that you shared is is such a poignant example, and and really shows us, you know, the different forks in the road that our brain might choose to take uh, when we have incomplete information. Uh, right. I. And I, and I totally agree with everything that you're saying about, um, you know, we have control over our thoughts and, uh, and uh, at the same time, uh, it, it can be difficult to reprogram this brain, right? It's not like uh, turning on a switch. You mentioned learning language or a musical instrument. Well, it takes a long time to reprogram your brain to play a musical instrument or to learn a different language. And so uh, how do you kind of keep up the faith and persevere uh, when you're trying to go through this process of, of um, reprogramming for lack of a better term and, and, and don't get discouraged because it does take, you know, it would be in, it would be quite unreasonable for me to hand you some sheet music and say here you know here is a uh you know chopin or rachmaninoff or something and have you just play it if you've never played the piano before right or ask me to play it on an instrument that i'm not familiar with right it, and the musical instrument is a, is a good example as well christian because what we're talking about here is changing the neural pathways in our brain Anything you do that is repeated and meaningful gets set up on a neural pathway. And that's because your brain is trying to keep things efficient. So walking, for example, you don't have to think about how to walk because your brain has created neural pathways. It's a very complicated task, keeping your balance, shifting your weight. It's, it's amazing that we don't fall on our faces, but you practice it enough, the neural pathways kick in and take over for you. Um, typing on a keyboard is the same thing. Speaking a language, playing a musical instrument. So what we're talking about here, when we choose positivity above whatever it is that we've been thinking that's causing us misery, the choice is essential, just like it is if you want to play the guitar or the piano. But it's not sufficient because then you got to hire an instructor and you got to go to the lessons and you have to put in your practice sessions and, and do the work. Christian, you said that it takes time. The only reason it takes time is because it requires multiple repetitions and consistent practice to design a new neural pathway in your brain. And we know through clinical experience and research that it is possible. These things can be trained and taught. And as you put in the reps, you get better at it, you develop the fluency, just like you would if you were studying a language. Uh, it is not easy. These are simple concepts, okay? But simple and easy are not the same thing. Right. And, and so we, if we go back to your model, just applying what you're talking about now, so we have this evaluative choice, basically, when, when, we, we're, right. when we're in a situation to think of the worst or the best. It could always be better, it could be worse. So I'm, I'm assuming that there's a choice to choose that it could be better. Is that what you're... Let's address that choice for just a minute, Spencer, because I get some pushback on this. Well, I didn't choose this, right? Yeah, you don't choose what happens to you, but you choose how you think about it. Exactly. 
and notice that what it is is all you got. Okay, by definition, I'm it is what it is. Could, we're getting to that. Okay, it is what it is, right? And and it could always. Now, my editor tells me to always avoid the word always and never use the word never. But I just <laughs> said it. What it is always between better and worse. Is that true? Absolutely. It's it's on it's in that spectrum somewhere between infinity of worse and infinity of wor of better. <laughs> so according to the model, when we take what it is, or what it is, whatever it is, and you guys, if it if that for you is a bankruptcy or a divorce or a diagnosis or a dysfunctional team or whatever, okay, we take our what it is, and when we compare it to something better we feel worse about it okay pure and simple when we take our what it is and we compare it to something worse and it could always be worse uh we feel better about it is that why we like, like watching soap operas you know it might be i have i have the luxury of <laughs> 30 years of clinical experience where i have seen you cannot shock me Spencer, honestly, I mean, I'm so, <laughs> the goofiest crap you can imagine. I go home feeling so grateful for my what it is because I see all these examples all the time of how it could be worse. And I'm not even saying, hey, sit around and think about how it could be worse. I'm just saying, look, you can't turn off your evaluation. You are constantly judging and evaluating your version of what it is. Just notice that. And I'm not here to tell you how to think. I don't have that kind of authority. I just want you to see that you are. And if you feel like your circumstances are bad, it's because you're judging it to be bad against a standard that in your mind it be, would be better. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. I love that in that model, and and I'm so grateful that you uh, described that to me. So we've got Tim, who's been saying uh, a couple things on online here. He says, start with empathy before judging. He's saying, you know, we take the the road of our past, and then he's got one more cognitive and emotional and compassionate. I'm not sure what what uh, he means by by that one, but uh, really appreciate your comments. Um, Tim, thank you for, for, for joining us. But uh, it is, I mean, I think we do take the road of our past and that's what you were talking about, the neural pathways. That's, we develop habits of how we think, good or bad, about the things that happen to us. And you're, and, so, go ahead. And those habits become the neural pathways. That, that's what drive. it's our programming, okay? And once you see it, you're in position to make a choice. Remember, metacognition, thinking about your thinking, creates a space. In that space is where choice exists. And until you see it as a choice, so you don't get to choose what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, here we well, are. You get to choose. Keep going, keep going. I've got, we've got a little bit of break up here. What do we get to choose? Say that again. What you get to choose is how you judge it or evaluate it. 
So notice that you're doing that and that you have some choice in the matter. Well, I've been, I've been, uh, and that's really important. I've been monopolizing Christian. Do you have uh, anything else I have? Cause I have lots of questions here. Uh, yeah, I actually think this, uh, what Tim said, I think is important. Uh, you know, this uh, start with empathy before before judging. And I think it also applies here because uh, if we're not careful, we can say, yes, we are the masters of our own destiny. We're the captains of our fate. Uh, and so when we, when we come into contact or uh, we work with others who uh, may struggle with these choices or they may in our minds be pessimistic or negative, you know, then we are casting judgment on them uh, because they're not necessarily, quote unquote, doing as good as we are and, uh, uh, you know, making those choices. And so um, uh, it's actually a question that I have for you. Uh, Dr. Paul is, you know, how do we how do we um, implement this in our own lives while at the same time uh, have, uh, as uh, Tim mentioned, compassion uh, and understanding uh, for those around us who may be having a difficult time. Yes. I think the acknowledgement first, and I'm saying this as a professional psychologist, okay? You are always right about how you feel. Think about what I'm saying here. You are always right about how you feel. How you feel is 100% consistent with the way your own mind is doing the two processes that I'm sharing here in this model. And we've only talked about one of them so far, evaluation and judgment. So uh, going back to Tim's comment too, if, if we were to exercise compassion and empathy and realize that everyone we encounter is perfectly right about how they feel based on how their brain is processing the information, then maybe we'll have a little more tolerance and compassion for each other as we go through it. The other thing that that does is it puts us in position to move to the next phase, which we can go to as soon as you're ready. Well, I'm ready. I just hope the internet stays. I'm keeping the the camera on you, so we uh, we use as little bandwidth as possible. Um, so so yeah, go into that, and then I'd like to switch a little bit to uh, really how this this works in working with teams. But uh, yes, please. What's what's let's level two. I'm thinking back on what Christian just said too, as he was saying. You know, we we toss around these mantras sometimes of I am in control of my life i am the captain of my soul i control my destiny you know all these things that that are supposed to be motivational but sometimes create some judgment too um, let's talk about the other process that's going on in our mind and this is happening all the time too just like evaluation you can't turn it off and i've labeled it creation that's going to be up at the top part of our our model and by the way, I know I'm using a visual here. Some people are going to pick this up audio only. I've, I've got a free copy 
of my book, Portable Positivity, where I explain the entire model step-by-step, step, including all the visuals. I'm going to give a free digital copy to anybody who's listening into this podcast today. Uh, if you just go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and then do a slash teamwork. If you can remember that from this particular podcast, drpauljenkins.com slash teamwork. I'll just send you a free digital copy of this mini book where I describe the whole thing in detail. That way, you Dr. Paul, you should, you should probably put it in the uh, LinkedIn uh, uh, comments as well, just that link, because you know people go back and watch that, and I think that would be great if you want to do that at some point. Yeah, for sure. We'll put it in there so that you have access to it, because I want you to be able to see how it ties in visually. But if we look at the next process, I call it creation. And we're talking about creation of what is to be. That doesn't exist yet. We haven't created it yet. So the only place it really exists is in our imagination. Okay? The same imagination that we use to judge what it is. But in creation mode, we're using our imagination to, to lay out the blueprint or the template for where we're going to go from here. And check it out. We don't know what's going to happen. How are you doing next week, Spencer, Christian? How are you doing next week? We don't know yet. <laughs> next week isn't here yet. I think yeah. good. It's well. going to be great. It, yeah, I think so. I think you hope. You plan, right? But you don't know. You're right. That, that answer was very accurate. I don't know how I'm doing next week. Now, you have something to do with it. Please don't forget that part. This is what creation mode is all about. Okay? But you don't know. So all you can do is imagine or predict or expect or anticipate. It doesn't exist yet, right? Now, let's go to the feeling part of this. When you imagine or predict or expect that what's coming is even worse than what you've already got, how do you feel? Oh, no. I, I don't want to go to next week. Yeah. I have anxiety. I have, I have fear. I have frustration. I have, uh, you know, I want to hide. Spencer, you just nailed it. Okay. This is anxiety. That's 30 years of clinical experience in a nutshell. Think about it. The definition of anxiety is our imagining worse things to come and the feelings that come along with that. Fear, apprehension, anxiety. There you go. Now, how do you feel if you imagine or predict or expect that what's coming for you is even better than what you've already got? How do you feel? <laughs> I, 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 I worked for a leadership training development company where we did an exercise, Dr. Paul. I, I became the CEO of that company. And one of the exercises was is that we have just won the California lottery, $50 million. How do you feel? And people had to put themselves in that mode like, I just won $50 million. And you, I, you had to do it with your heart, with your body and your soul. And if you didn't, you didn't pass yourself. But you had to truly believe what it would feel like to win $50 million. You can, I could put myself in that mode if I choose to. Right. And you do this by choice through the same imagination that you're using to judge. 
everything. But it's kind of like a hammer. Think about a hammer. You know how there are two ends on the head of a hammer. You've got that blunt base on one end for the purpose of driving nails, right? And on the other side is a claw for the purpose of pulling them out. You don't use the claw to pound a nail. And, and you can't use the face to pull one out. It doesn't work that way. In the same way, we've got this amazing tool in our own imagination. We can always imagine something better and something worse than what we've already got. Always. So notice that. Now we're going to use the right end of that imagination for the right task. When we're in evaluation mode, we can always imagine something worse than what we've got, and that helps us to feel better about what we've got. We don't imagine something worse to put ourselves into anxiety and creation mode and feel like worse things are coming for us. And in the same way, we can always imagine something better. Well, that's not for the purpose of evaluation to beat ourselves up because we're not there yet. It's to guide our beautiful creative minds toward creating, manufacturing, innovating the upgrade. And everything has to be imagined before we can create it. That's the purpose for that end of your imagination. So now you just piqued my interest. I mean, what upgrade? I just, I just, I just imagined the the movie The Matrix, where I get a little thing in the back of my head that downloads new software. Now I can fly a helicopter. Now I can be positive. What's the upgrade? The upgrade is up to your creative imagination, because your what it is is simply what it is. It could always be better. <laughs> Am I right? Absolutely. Even if your business, your team, and your life, and your health, and your marriage, and everything is just awesome right now, which it is compared to something worse, you could still upgrade any of those things. That's what we're going to do in creation mode. And we don't do it because we have to. We do it because we can. You want to hear something funny? That this Tim Kaczynski actually had one of those $50 million experiences, didn't you, Tim? That means he had to uh, he had to to go through that little exercise. <laughs> so he knew what I was talking about when I said that. That's funny. I, it's a, such a small small world. Um, so one of the things that I talk about, uh, Doctor Paul. You know, I know we we have you for a limited time, and and with our uh, glitches, we come a little short. But I, I talk with with teams. A lot, and I and I know as a psychologist, you're very familiar with the work of Martin Seligman, and for sure uh, John Gottman out of Seattle. You know the, his institute that, that is really focused on relationships. So one of the things I talk about when it comes into uh, working with teams is the impact that we have, and and it's not our intentions, right? It's it, that's the thought. Like we may think we're having a good impact, but it's the actual impact that we're having. And sometimes there's a gap between the intention and the impact. And there is such an impact yes. on positivity, and there's, and positivity is a big word. There's a lot of things that add to positivity. One of the things that I use in evaluating teams there is how productive they are. Okay, so if you look at this quadrant, this is a little different model. Uh, so if you look at the left side is low productivity on the horizontal plane and on the right side. So if you're listening, just imagine a, a line that's horizontal, left low productivity, right high productivity. But what does it 
take to sustain productivity? Because anybody can have high productivity for a week, a, a month, or a year. But to sustain productivity, you have to have conditions on the team where people want to engage at the highest level. And that is positivity. So low positivity at the bottom of the vertical plane and high positivity at the top right. So just think about what it's like to be in a low positivity but a high productivity environment. You know, it, it, it's burnout. It's it's just, you know, just grind it out. And, and sometimes we have to do that where it's like the end of the month or, um, or, or you know, you've got a project-driven deadline. But you can't sustain it because you'll have burnout. Many managers fear the opposite of that. You know, we're talking about positivity and they're like, oh, my gosh, stop with that. We need to, it's all about the numbers. This is a meritocracy, right? But if you're just highly positive without the productivity, that is also not sustainable. People aren't changing. They're not challenging themselves. They're not growing. Low, low, of course, we're out of business really, really quickly. Um, but where we want to get and where we struggle to get to is that high productivity, high positivity. Can you talk anything? I mean, does that, does that resonate and make sense to you? It totally resonates with me, Spencer, as I'm thinking about the way we typically or traditionally define positivity is missing a really important element, and that is the creation element. Okay, we, th we think about positivity as oh, just think positive, things are good, right? And they are compared to something worse. That's evaluation mode. But if we if we forget about the creation mode, we're not going to stay where we are. Okay. We are not going to stay put here. We are going to move forward into something. And what if I gave your team a challenge to just take a half hour, take a half hour, use your creative energy, work together if you want to, to somehow make things worse. Now, that would be ridiculous, right? <laughs> and they'll but, but we do, I mean, I think about it, because if you think about John Gottman, he says you need to have at least five positive to every one negative interaction. And if, you, and if I sit and evaluate, how many times have I had negative interactions or made something worse? Whether it be rolling my eyes or being frustrated or not making myself available or, or shutting somebody down or, not, or, not, or talking over them, right? That's a negative interaction. And that's making something worse. Even though I don't think, I, I, I'm like, my impact is making something worse. And it happens all the time, sometimes unconsciously. Yeah, and we do it accidentally all the time. But you would never do that on purpose because you want to make something better, not worse. When we get to, when we get to creation mode, we have to create something. And I just want you to notice how quickly, when I gave you that bogus assignment to take your team and go make something worse, you know, in a half hour. Look how quickly your brain comes up with half a dozen ways you can pull that off. And it wouldn't even take a half hour, right? <laughs> right. Positivity is not just about thinking positively about our what it is. That's evaluation mode, okay? It's about moving into creation mode next and getting really clear about Okay, here's where we are. What could be better than this? And that's how we define productivity because we are moving intentionally in this positivity model. We are moving intentionally into a positive upgrade. And that's how I define productivity. So on your four quadrant model, 
Spencer, I'm thinking of that upper right, where it's high productivity, high positivity. That's when we're combining both elements of the positivity model that I have shared with you here, both evaluation, where we feel good about where we are, and production, where we are intentionally moving forward toward that upgrade. And that's what brings the whole team energy. And that's what creates the reason to have the team in the first place, because we're creating so much value for other people in that productivity mindset. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Paul. You, you answered the question that I had on, on the tip of my tongue, which was how do you bring the people on the journey with you, uh, with your team? And, and so uh, I think what you've, what you've said here is absolutely spot on. I, I'm looking at the clock and I realize that we're, we're up against it here. You know, one more thing that I wanted to share regarding positivity and productivity is this quote here by uh, Daniel Goleman, Richard Boyatzis, and Annie McKee, and that is that the fundamental task of leaders is to prime good feelings in those that they lead. And that occurs when a leader creates resonance and a, a reservoir of positivity that frees the best in people. And so at its root, the, the primal role of leadership is emotional. And so that's uh, really really what it is that we're, we're talking about here and bringing the team along with us is to create that reservoir of positivity that frees the best. And as Dr. Paul was talking about, that's the creation part, right? Is to, when people are, are, are free to, to create the upgrade for the productivity for the team. So Dr. Paul, I've just been, I've just been monologuing here a little bit about this. Well, that's, that's what we do when we have technical difficulties. Just roll with it. Right. <laughs> right. Well, so can you give us a, a closing or parting thought as we go? One, you know, one, one last, uh, you know, hurrah here. And that is, uh, you know, just yeah. anything that we've missed that you want to, that you want to close the, the loop on. You know, there's obviously some very, very powerful implications of this model to leadership and team dynamics. In fact, when we're working with other people, understanding where our own mind is in this model and acknowledging that everybody we're working with is somewhere in this model too. A lot of times what happens is a leader gets focused on creation, on the upgrade, on what could be better. You know, let's go guys, let's go create something awesome. And if the team at that point is in evaluation mode, they might be hearing, you're not good enough because they're judging themselves. And inadvertently, sometimes as leaders, we put people in a position where they're feeling judged or criticized when we're really trying to motivate them. And so understanding of that and then having the subtle skill sets that allow us to connect with people in a positive way in both modes, in evaluation mode and in creation mode. And I would just go back to what we talked about earlier. It's, uh, you don't have to change a thing. You have to change a think. And your thinking happens in, in at least those two modes, evaluation and creation. That's why the model is so powerful. I think I would also acknowledge, you know, people ask me all the time, why is it so hard? And for me, it goes back to natural laws, like gravity. You never get up in the morning and wonder, huh, what if gravity's on today? It tends to be. And default is down. 
um, we were to, Christian asked some things about this earlier, you know, related to practice and putting in the reps and reprogramming the brain. It, these concepts are simple, but simple and easy aren't the same thing. Default is down. And we know that anytime we park our car on a hill and leave the brake off. Okay, which way does it roll? You never hear of someone falling up. So be ready to put in the work, to do the reps, to, to practice this. I'm a black belt in positivity. I practice it every day. And as I'm teaching these models, I realize that it takes some time, some effort, some intention to actually reprogram our brain and get there. The good news is we can do it. Dr. Paul, thank you again so much for joining us. If people want to uh, connect with you and learn more about uh, what you're doing or uh, understand how you might be able to help them, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, I mentioned earlier, I'm happy to share a copy of my mini book, Portable Positivity, where I explain the model in detail, step-by-step, -step, all the full color illustrations. Just go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. Do a little slash teamwork, and you'll get the Portable Positivity model. But you're welcome to go browse around the website, too. And we've got, like Spencer mentioned, I've got a, a YouTube channel called Live on Purpose TV. Uh, we've got over seven or eight hundred videos there now it's just crazy uh what's been happening over at youtube my podcast live on purpose radio you can find that anywhere you you get your podcast so those are the best ways all right that's fantastic and uh we will definitely check out the site when we're done here spencer uh you're all over the place in the world uh, going out and helping people in dallas uh, this week but, but if people want to learn more about how you can help them to increase their positivity and productivity when it comes to team performance and leadership. What's the best way for them to uh, connect with you? Thank you, Christian. They can reach me at Altium Leadership. That's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn at Spencer Horn on, uh, on LinkedIn. And Christian, boy, I wish we could hear more from you today, but uh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, well, thank you, Spencer. Uh, people can reach me at my LinkedIn. Uh, so just look up Christian Apier on LinkedIn. Or you can visit our website, raconto.io. Let me spell that. R-A-K-O-N-T-O dot I-O. Or email me, Christian at raconto.io. All right, Spencer, Dr. Paul, thank you so much uh, for taking an hour of your time uh, to really... Uh, enlighten us today uh, on, on the power of positivity and its importance. Listeners, thank you for persevering through our technical difficulties, and we invite you to please like and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll catch you again soon. Thank you so much.